Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the final episode of Behind the Scenes by Just Baseball. I'm your host, Jared Perkins, as always, but I have an incredible guest with me today, uh, Dave Funnel of Prospects 1500, who covers the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Dave, how are you doing today? I am good. I'm good. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to have you on to talk some Twins prospects. We're in the final episode of the season, taking a break for the playoffs so everybody can enjoy that playoff time and so I can enjoy that playoff time as well. Uh, but we have one more interview for the fans. Uh, Corey Lewis, who's a pitching prospect with the Minnesota Twins, which we'll get to in a second. But Dave, we want to have you on just to give a little bit of overview of the Twins farm system and some of your thoughts on the state of the farm currently. Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk the Twins. Um, when, when you think about them and their, their farm system, they're, they're, they're in the middle, I would say they're, they're, they're not great, but they're not that bad. They're about in the middle. And I know, uh, pipeline has them ranked in around 15 or 16, same with fans. Yeah. Um, they have some really good players, just nobody that really yet stands out as someone with like massive, huge upside. Um, I know they were hurt a lot last year because they had a lot of injuries, uh, like the twins did. So they had to call up people like Nick Gordon, mm -hmm. uh, Jose Miranda, uh, Celestino winder, and they just weren't ready. So they had to like go through their farm system and they, they kind of depleted it for a bit, but a year later, they're actually doing a lot better than I thought they would be. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, um, the potential from this past draft that they just had, but we can, I'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, um, there is some, you know, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel there with, with some hope for some good upside. Yeah. Talk about a little bit too. I, I'm curious about how the twins kind of went draft, right? Cause last, last draft in 2022, they took Brooks Lee, who's kind of more of a fast riser, right? College bat. Um, this year they took the high school prep bat and Walker Jenkins, but talk about Brooks Lee a little bit. Um, I know that he is, was the number one prospect, but of course Walker Jenkins comes in and takes over, but what are some of your thoughts on Brooks Lee? Yeah, he had a, a good year at the plate. Um, I don't know if it was a great year, but it was, it was yeah. really good, really solid. And he got he did everything that you'd want out of him. I mean, he's got good patience at the plate, um, solid batting average, uh, and a good power speed combo. Um, 
and he caught fire in July and he got himself promoted to AAA and he struggled a little bit with the adjustment, but I think a lot of it had to do also, he was learning a new position. He's starting yeah. to play third base. So, you know, you, you put that on top of learning how to hit with tougher competition. Obviously it's going to struggle a bit, but um, he, I think he could be up maybe next year. Um, the problem is with him. I, I just don't know exactly where he's going to play, but I think with, third base they might have a spot for him yeah but again it depends on what they do with royce lewis um but yeah he had himself a, a pretty good year and um i think it's something to build on for next year yeah i guess the unfortunate part of royce lewis too is right injury so <laughs> Brooksley could come up as a shortstop just if that happens but i have to imagine they like having that safety net with him yeah yeah with royce lewis you never know um but it, it feels like things are going in the right direction. For yeah. him. So maybe another year of just learning how to hit triple a hitting uh, or pitching and uh, learn more about third base. And go yeah. Yeah. I mean, going into this draft too, they took Walker Jenkins, who's probably one of my favorite bats in the, the draft class, right? A guy with a 60 grade hit tool, 60 grade power, um, pretty, has good de- above average speed um and of course a cannon in the outfield but what are your, some of your thoughts on walker jenkins you can kind of see already why he's taken over as a number one prospect but would love to get your thoughts on that yeah he's someone that the the twins i, I don't want to say they lucked into it but there was there was a big five and he was mm-hmm. in, definitely in one of them and um he's only 18 years old but i, I don't know if you've seen the picture like he, he looks like a beast he's just huge he's tall he's hulking um and he just he came out and on fire and it's it's a small sample but um in 26 games he's got three home runs six stolen bases he's got a 362 417 571 slash line It's, it's incredible and he's just he's someone with a quick and powerful bat and he spreads the ball all over. He hits it hard. He's got more triples than doubles. He's just to come out as quickly as he has and at that young of an age to yeah. go as far as he has already. Um, he's something special and he's already their number one prospect and he won't be up for at least another year and a bit. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if that's telling of, you know, going back to how we talked about what the state of the franchise is it that, you know, someone comes in and he's immediately number one, but I think it's more about how special he can be. Yeah. I think with those top five too, you look at him, it's like, it's Max Clark, it's him, it's Wyatt Langford, it's Dylan Cruz, it's Paul Skeens. Like you almost couldn't go wrong in the top five picks of that draft, just because they all have hit the ground running in their pro debuts as well. Yeah. And it, it was just more like, like, would you rather have the college bat who's going to be in the big leagues potentially next year? Like Wyatt Langford's is already knocking on the door. Um, or would you have like rather take the upside? And I don't think you can blame the twins for taking Jenkins. I don't think you could blame any of the teams for taking those guys in the top five. Yeah. And, and they're, they're, the twins are in win, win now mode. So they don't yeah. really need that bat to come up next year. Um, they're doing pretty well as it is right now. And they have some bats that are in and out of the lineup right now. So it's something to work towards for two years down the road. Yeah. Uh, Sticking with the theme of the the 2023 draft, are there some guys that the Twins took that really stick out to you that you think could make an impact but might be flying on a little bit under the radar? Yeah, I mean, they had a pretty solid draft all around. Um, 
they had uh, they picked up uh, and I, I got to make sure I, I say it uh, the right way. Luke is it Luke Keishol or Keishol? Yeah, but, I think it might be Keishol. Yeah, but he's been doing well so far. Um, he was their second round pick, and he's already in high A. Yeah. And he's gone through three levels already. Um, he hit the ground running in A ball, and he's already in in high A. He's um, he's already batting three thirteen with two home runs, and uh, he's just been pretty good already so far. He's got a lot of power, a lot of raw power and game power. So he's someone to look towards maybe by the end of next year, maybe coming up. Um, but he was a pretty good find for them. Uh, they, they got Brandon Winokur as well. He's another power bat. He does strike out a lot, which could be his downside. Um, but he's got nine of his 19 hits have gone for extra bases. So he's, he's a hit or miss guy. He just hit swings. And if he hits it, it's great. If not, he strikes out. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, a guy that came up later, he was their sixth round pick Jay Harry. Um, not a lot of power, not a lot of speed, but I, Looking through his stats, it was it was very interesting. Um, he's batted 339 this year with uh, 14 walks and only eight strikeouts and wow. 129 plate appearances. That's incredible. Yeah, and I I always I love the low strikeout guys. Yeah, so it's something to watch. Um, I know they've had uh, they've had success in the past with players like this, so I think he's someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, I was definitely interested in the Twins class because Winokur was a guy that was kind of rumored to the Royals that could possibly underslot him. And then I think, what, the Twins took him in one of the comp rounds? Um, yeah, he was... It was. I, th- I want to say the third, but I, I... Yeah. Don't quote me on it. Yeah. Yeah, he was a guy that was interesting. I, I, like you said, a big power, but lots of strikeouts. Um, going... It, a little bit more in depth to the twin system overall. Um, are there a couple under the radar guys too that everybody should be keeping their eye on? That's that's really not given in, uh, enough attention. I think Corey Lewis, one of the guys in the interviews, he's probably one of them. But yeah. are there other guys that you're thinking of? Well, when I look through the farm system and through even the team's history, like catcher has never been their best position. And yeah. there's two players right now that. Um, I want to keep an eye on for next year, uh, Ricardo Olivar and uh, Noah Cardenas. So uh, Olivar this year, um, he finished with 285 with 12 home runs and uh, or 10 home runs, 12 stolen bases, which is great. And he's played some outfield as well. And I know he just finished the FSL as the FSL leader with uh, 28 doubles too. So that's awesome. He can hit the ball hard and, um, He's someone to watch. He might be able to come up and, you know, help them out. And then uh, Cardenas, um, he had a decent year. Three home runs, nine stolen bases, did well. But he's more of a play caller, and he's good with the pitching behind the plate. So um, he's someone to more, if he can get his his bat going, which he apparently did this past week in the playoffs. He hit uh, like 400 with seven walks or something. He was just unbelievable. So... I, I like those two um, to look forward to next year because there's definitely going to be a place for them if they can keep this up and, you know, take the next step because with the Twins, catcher's always been their weak spot. 
Um, well, that's awesome. Yeah, love uh, getting into those under the radar prospects. I really appreciate all the insight that you provided us, Dave, on the Twins Farm System. Um, just so everybody knows, where can they find your work and everything that you're doing? Sure, I'm I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm at s p o r t z underscore n u t t five one on Twitter, and you can find me there. And I write about the Twins, and I do some other stuff for uh, fan tracks and uh, pitcher list. Yeah, awesome. Make sure to everybody to check out Dave's work. He does incredible stuff. Uh, but without further ado, we want to get you to that interview with Corey Lewis. All righty, welcome to another Behind the Scenes Prospects Corner. We have another incredible guest, Corey Lewis, right-handed pitcher with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Corey, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on. You have like a unique career going on that not many people um, who are developing as a prospect really have going. But uh, just for the people who don't know you, uh, just give a little background on yourself and kind of how your journey started in professional baseball. Uh, so I got drafted out of college. I went to UC Santa Barbara. I was there for three years, one of them being the COVID year. So basically two years. Um, didn't really start my freshman year, started my uh, sophomore year and my junior year. I had pretty good years both years and that got me here uh, to the Minnesota Twins in the ninth round of the 2022 draft. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, talk about the the draft process a little bit. I know every guy has a little bit of a different experience. I worked baseball opposite the University of Nevada Reno for a while, and it's like guys were always like, "Oh, people are calling us, telling us that we're going to get picked here," but then we don't. Um, what was your draft process like for you? Um, yeah, especially like, or sorry, got off track. Um, no. uh, I didn't think it was too crazy. Like I always had like a pretty good understanding where I was going to go. I knew I was gonna fall into day two I knew I wasn't a day one guy um and I didn't want to get stuck up with like what everyone was telling me because it's like yeah draft day is just so crazy so um yeah I just kind of sat around uh till round nine and got the call and I was like yeah I'll go with the twins that's awesome uh talk about a little bit how your transition has been to pro ball right there's always that going from being like kind of the the, the big fish in a small pond and to all of a sudden kind of just being with everybody's uber talented. So what, what's the transition been like for you? Um, I think it's been pretty easy. Um, yeah. I think it's just playing my own game. Like obviously there's been changes to that, whether that be from pitches or like what pitches are being thrown at certain times. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest change has just been uh, attacking hitters the same way. Um, not really falling into that thought of, oh, he's so much better than me when we're in the same, I mean, we're in the same league. I mean, we're all super talented. So it's just um, having confidence in yourself and just doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I the, the one thing I want to touch on, too, is kind of your pitch mix, right? You have a fastball, curveball, changeup, knuckleball. Is that, that right, the four pitches? And a slider. And a slider. Okay, nice. Uh, so having that mix of pitches, what's been, I mean, I assume the knuckleball's got to be one of your favorite, but what's one of your favorite pitches to kind of go to? Uh, I mean, yeah, the knuckleball is obviously <laughs> probably my favorite, um, just because the reactions you get from the the hitters and uh, yeah. the uh, catchers and even the umpires sometimes, like in between innings for uh, substance checks, they're like, "Dude, what the heck is that?" Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's real. <laughs> Yeah, touch on that a little bit, too, because I, I know there wasn't many knuckleballers left, right? Mickey Jonas was one of the last ones, I think, that pitched with the Orioles in the big leagues with the knuckleball. Um, how's that kind of gone with the transition to the pro ball? Have you had any knuckleball legends kind of reach out to you and kind of help provide some guidance? Uh, before the draft, I talked to Charlie Huff, which is oh, like an cool. old timer. 
And yeah. that was super cool. He came out and watched me throw a few knuckleballs, which is awesome. And then actually, like last week, uh, one of our coordinators reached out to R.A. Dickey. Ah, and uh, awesome. he was giving me some tips. And yeah, so that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, t- I, it's kind of cool because the knuckleball is like this kind of exclusive club, right? There's not many guys who have done it. Um, did you have a so when when did you first start throwing the knuckleball? And did you have any specific knuckleballers that you kind of looked up to growing up? Uh, so I actually started throwing it when I was around like 10, which is like kind of <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it was at like a like a pony all-star league, like just practice. And I just started throwing it and like all the coaches or like dads, I guess, were like blown <laughs> away by it. So I just kind of kept throwing it from there. I got to high school. Coaches were okay with me throwing it. Um, they thought it was cool. Got to college, same thing. They thought it was cool and they saw that it was like real. It wasn't like me messing around. And then just throwing in practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then same thing once I got to pro ball. It's like, oh, okay, it's actually pretty good. Like we can keep throwing that. Yeah, what's the velocity on it usually for you? Uh, it's been like eighty three to eighty seven. So like eighty seven, eighty six is like higher really than hard. most people. Yeah, yeah. And then you have a low nineties fastball, right? Or you've been hitting mid nineties with it. Um, that's gonna be like really throw people awful a lot. Yeah, especially like seeing the no spin. I would assume from a hitter's standpoint, it's like what the heck is that? But yeah. yeah. Cause I remember when Wakefield threw, he threw like a, it was like what, 60, 70 mile an hour knuckleball. He <laughs> yeah, threw like an 80 real. mile an hour fastball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you have a knuckleball pitcher that you like kind of idolized growing up that really, was there a guy that you watched and you're like, Oh, I want to do this. Uh, looking back, not really that I can remember. I think yeah. it just kind of happened, but like at the time, all right, Dickie would have been in the league mm-hmm. or even like Steven Wright later on. Um, but yeah, those two were probably in their prime uh, when I was growing up. So, yeah. yeah. So what goes into like the develop? I because I you know how it's kind of easy to figure out when pitchers are developing their curveball or their slider or their changeup, trying to make adjustments and changes there. But what kind of goes into the development of a knuckleball? Right. I don't think many people know exactly like oh, do you just start doing repetition and trying to get it to move? Or is there certain things you have to do in terms of development to get it to move certain ways? Um, those kind of things. Um, I think there's not really a lot that I can do. And obviously the people (laughs) around me can really tell me it's more so like what I feel and like the result of that pitch. So say if I'm like two underneath it, or if I get on the side of it, then it's like not as good compared to like when I'm on top of it. And I just feel like I need to know those feels like for the Mm -hmm. future, just for myself. Um, but yeah. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, so just kind of going into, uh, a little bit about you, because one thing we like to do is focus on the human side of players. Um, do you have any big passions away from baseball that help you kind of separate? So when you go home at night, game's over, are there things that you can kind of go to that help you separate from baseball a little bit? After games, I mean, I feel like the biggest thing would probably be playing video games. I feel like that just yeah. gets me away from reality. Um, just kind of yeah. gets my head off of things. And then like on off days, I golf. That's another thing. It's like four four hours out of the day where I don't have, really have to think anything besides all my bad shots, but you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a go-to golf course now where you're at? Um, I mean, we play at this place called Hunter's Ridge. It's in Cedar Rapids. So okay. they give us a discount. So it's pretty nice. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But we've, we've been trying to go around like the different courses in the area and just try them all out. So yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of video games, is there a go-to video game as well? Um, not really a little bit of everything i feel like emily the show fall, falls into that bucket yeah um, for sure Call are you of Duty in it every now and then 
I am. I did get a card. Um, nice. Not like originally, but like a real 99 card, which is cool. Yeah. So they gave me a knuckleball, so it's pretty cool. Love it. <laughs> do they do that for all minor leaguers the show? Like as soon as you get drafted or do you have to be like a certain like top prospect? How does that kind of work? I think uh, everyone on the 40 man gets okay. a card just out the gate. And then um, like prospects or like people in the minors um, or other players in the minors uh, just have to submit a form, I think. That's cool. Um, and then, I mean, it might take a few weeks, but I think it took like three weeks for me to get mine. But at the end of the day, it's like pretty cool just to have a card in the game. And has, has yourself in the game made it to the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the road of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's cool. I love it. I love it. Uh, just talking about um, your journey to, to kind of professional baseball. Um, who have been the people that kind of helped you get to the that level? Um, has there been like your family, your friends, uh, specific coaches that really kind of supported and mentored you along the way? Definitely my family and friends just supported yeah. me along the way um, on all my de- decisions and whatnot. And then especially uh, the coaches at Santa Barbara, I think really changed um, who I was as a pitcher. Um, they're so great with pitchers that um, – yeah they can pick out certain things and change certain things to make you a great pitcher. Um, I think that's what happened to me. Uh, I came into Santa Barbara throwing two seams and then they changed my fastball. They changed my changeup, added a slider. So like there's a crazy uh, developmental factor there at Santa Barbara, which I loved. So, yeah. Yeah. That's always uh, really helpful. Um, And now that you're in pro ball, do you have any, have you had any crazy pro ball stories yet or weird pro ball stories? (laughs) Not really. I don't think. I mean, I feel like it's been pretty easy. Um, yeah. Or not easy, but like the experience has been nice and like enjoyable with all the guys. Um, everyone's just nice and easy to talk to. So even on both sides, like both teams, like everyone's just trying to do the same thing. Like everyone's trying to uh, make their dreams come true. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah now that in Pro Bowl 2, you're probably signing autographs. Have you had anything crazy that you've had to sign that people have asked you to, to autograph? Not yet, but I've heard some crazy stories. Um, yeah. For the most part, it's just been shirts, baseballs, and cards. Um, maybe even an arm here and there. But, Love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty standard stuff. So. Yeah. Um, I guess the other question I have kind of as you uh, think about your journey with Pro Ball, um, are there like tips and tricks you're taking away from other pitchers now that you're around these guys, right? Because you kind of go from a shift of, competing every day to try to win a conference championship in college to all of a sudden now like you're sort of kind of competing against everybody on your team because you're trying to make it to that next level um but how have you kind of adjusted to pro ball um in the way that you are learning from others and kind of trying to to drive yourself to that next level yeah i think that's the biggest thing is uh learning from others because everyone has different experiences so whether yeah. that be from like pregame routines or like post-game stuff or recovery or like even throwing like different pitches. Like some people just have different cues that might help you as well. And it's just good to ask. Um, I feel like we haven't had a ton of rehab guys, like big leaguers come in. We had Josh Winder when I was in Fort Myers. Um, I think that's it on the pitching side, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I think it's just the biggest part is just reaching out to other people because I mean, like you said, we're all doing the same thing. So yeah. it's good to get, just get feedback from others. Yeah, we interviewed uh, Ben Kudrina, pitches of the Kansas City Royals, and he talked about how like the older guys would sit them down for like morning coffees, so that way they could learn from them, kind of sit down, ask them questions about like 
certain things that they've gone through that um, the new guys might have gone through. And I think those kind of things probably really help those that next generation of prospects come through because a lot of times you just need someone to find to order to figure out, okay, how do I get over this adversity or these battles while I'm in the minor leagues? Yeah, exactly. I think it's more so just ease of mind, like knowing that someone else has also been through it and uh, seeing how they handled it and how that might help you. Yeah. The other thing that you have too with transition to pro ball is when college you're usually flying for road trips. What's have you had? What's been the longest bus trip that you've had to take so far? So far, it was my (laughs) first week here in Cedar Rapids. We went from Dayton, Ohio back to Cedar Rapids. And I think that was like eight hours, like (laughs) eight and a half. Yeah, that's that's brutal. And then so do they like after the game, you just stay at the hotel at night next morning or just busing back or do they like bus that night of? Usually it's been bus night of. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of br- that was brutal because it was a Sunday game. Well, obviously it was a Sunday game. It was a day game, but it was raining. So it got pushed back like three hours. So we even <laughs> we got back three hours later than we were supposed to. But <laughs> we got back. <laughs> Yeah, then you got to mentally get prepared to go out and compete like the next day, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, literally. Kind of dive into the last two questions. Uh, the first one I always ask is kind of a fun one. Uh, but is there a go-to restaurant that you have now that you're in Cedar Rapids? Or when you're back home, just kind of out from the off-season, are there some like, specific restaurants you're like, oh, I got to hit those up? Well, being from California, I think the biggest one is In-N-Out. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Don't get it much out here or being on the road. So whenever I get back, um, that's probably the first spot that I think about. Um, that's the the first first place I went back uh, for the All Star break day of. Right when I got back from the flight, went to In and Out. Um, but in Cedar Rapids, uh, I mean, not a ton of options. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't really reached out that much. Um, but there's a place called Bohemia. They got good coffee and breakfast items, right. so it's been pretty good. I gotta ask. I'm from Arizona, so I I was always in on the In and Out too. What's the go to In and Out order? I get a three by three grilled onions, uh, fries, and then just a drink. Fries. I haven't really. Yeah, yeah, I was getting there. I haven't really <laughs> gotten there. Uh, but sometimes animal style burger, not fries. Yeah. Just I haven't it. done animal yeah. style. I don't think ever. I really? just go with kind of the original. But the original is just so good. I mean, I feel like it's. Hard to mess up. Yeah. Uh, the last question we always ask, um, just because we want this podcast to, to be an awesome thing for fans to kind of get a peek behind uh, the human beings, but we also want for future athletes to be able to learn some lessons and get some advice from some of the pro guys. So if you had like one piece of advice for the next generation of baseball players who might be on the same journey as you are, trying to make it in college, trying to make it in the pros, uh, what would that one piece of advice be? Uh, I would say that just keep doing you. I mean, there's a reason why you've had success in the past and there's a reason why you're going to have success in the future is mm-hmm. just believe in yourself, um, have confidence in yourself and just keep doing what you're doing every day and follow your routines. And hopefully that'll get you where you want to go. Yeah. I think that's great because we interviewed Bryson Motts and he said one of the big, uh, inter- uh, one of the big pieces of advice he got when he first got to Cardinals camp was like, everybody's going to give you advice on what you need to do for your career. Find what works for you and kind of trust your stuff, but also find those things that you can learn that kind of can take you to the next level and find what doesn't and then make sure you don't do those kind of things anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Um, just finding what works for you is probably the biggest thing because yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, 
a lot of people telling you different things and it's kind of up to you to find out what's best for yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Corey, we can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time to join us. Uh, we're wishing you nothing but success for the rest of this year. I know you all are wrapping up pretty soon. Got about a month yeah. left. Um, but uh, wishing you nothing but success going into 2024 too. Thank you.